0: this morning, I, I don't remember what I preached to you last time because that's just how I am. But I'm going to go with what the Holy Spirit says I should tell you. Ephesians, chapter 1 verse 3. It's a very simple passage, but we're going to put it up there because we want to read it in the right way. Hallelujah. Man, these kids brought tears to my eyes. Wow, it's so awesome, especially with that, the Lord's prayer. You know, I, I just, it's amazing. It's just something about children praising God. I've got three grandchildren. One of them is only two months old, Benjamin. Uh, so Ephesians Can we put the King James version up there, please? The Nervous International version is not good for me. <laughs> 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 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in uh, heavenly places. There is no places in us, you know. Whenever you find a word in Scripture in bracket. It means it's not in the original. It's just put there to make it make sense to you. So the heavenly should be heavenly's plural. Heavenly's plural. Uh, and this is the thing again that the Bible does not speak of one heaven, the Bible always uses plural for heaven. So, in your English language, and this is part of our problem that the translators of scripture have created a problem for us. We think of heaven as a singular place. But everywhere in the Bible, except maybe for two places where you find the word heaven, it's always plural, heavens. Because the fundamental Hebrew word for heaven is ha-shamayim. And the i-m is the plural. All right? There are heavens upon heavens upon heavens upon heavens. And we can talk about that sometime when I have time to teach for more than one day or more than one hour. But let's remember it's heavenlies. And it's important you remember that because I want to do something, hopefully transform your mindset. Again, I am a big believer in teaching on the identity of the believer. I know that's what I talked to you about last time. Because I believe that the problem of Christians is they don't know who they are. Now you can look at me. I believe you don't know who you are. I think you know who you are physically, but you don't understand who you are spiritually. You don't even you have no idea who you are. Let me give you a text first of all that will help you. There's a passage in Scripture that says this. Jesus said, "Of all the men born of a woman, that is from." Able to John the Baptist. And by that, Jesus means born of a woman in the sense of being seeded by a man in a woman's womb. Of all the men born of a woman, there was no one greater than John the Baptist. Is that what he said, right? It's in your Bible. Then he proceeds to say, But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. It's a scripture. He says the least. That means that your brother who's committing sin every day, who's crying every day about their weakness is greater than Moses. That your sister that's having a struggle says the least in the kingdom. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. So, if that is the case then, that means the problem we are having is that believers don't know who they are. So we don't have a clue what it means to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. Because our whole concept of redemption is we're going to get redeemed and we're going to go to heaven. And we don't even say it right. We think we are going to one heaven. Because we don't understand that heaven is a diversified, nested principles of existence. Okay, that's too much grammar. In that realm. in, In whatever realm. Just remember redemption is more than you getting out of your sin and coming into God. Is God turning you to himself? Is God actually making you like him? Is that what we... So let's go back to Scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. So let's look at this text. See the word blessed? It's funny that in scripture that there are two words in the New Testament translated blessed. In Matthew chapter 5, you find what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. But really, it's a wrong translation because the word used there is not the word for blessed. It's a direct translation from the Hebrew word asherim which is to be happy. But if you know in the context of that scripture that Everything Jesus says you're happy about is things you shouldn't be happy about. Okay, I'll try it again. In Matthew chapter 5, everything Jesus says you are happy about are things you shouldn't be happy about. Yeah. Actually, in Luke, it's even worse because in Luke, the guy doesn't say, blessed are the poor spirit. He says, blessed are the poor. You don't encourage yourself to be happy because you're poor. Do you? And then he says, blessed are those who mourn. Happy, it's, a, it's an oxymoron. Because you can be happy while you're mourning. You're getting the point now. Then he says, happy are those who are persecuted. Because the, the Greek word is Makarios. My careers means to be happy. But what Jesus is doing in that particular context is to tell you that your happiness is not dependent on the condition of your life. It's not dependent on the condition of your life. But that's how, you, that's how we look at life. We say, when I get married, then I'll be happy. When I have money, then I will be... When I finally build my own house, then I will be... When I get a car, then I will be. When I have a child, then I will be. So our happiness is conditioned upon external factors. Are you okay? And if I say, why are you unhappy? I'm unhappy because my husband, because my wife, because the government, because... Can I give you an information? You're unhappy because you're an unhappy person. has nothing to do with anything external. So what Jesus is saying, that your true happiness is determined by the landscape of your inner being. How you structure your inner being. Because there are people that are poorer than you, that are happier than you. There are people that don't have a wife that are happier than you. There are people that don't have children that are happier than you. Why? It has nothing to do with external factors. It has to do with how you structure your inside. Because you're funny, the same problem is happening to two people. One person is happy, the other person wants to kill themselves. I can stop. Man, you are, you are too frowny. <laughs> the problem we have as Pentecostals is we're used to people shouting at us. So when someone tries to teach us, we're waiting for the shout. And Nigerians have made it worse. You're blessed! See? You're awake now, aren't you? (laughs) But, But it's funny that everything I've told you, you're listening, but if I was shouting, you would be shouting too, but you wouldn't hear anything I'm saying. So put a smile on your face. This is important. You draw from me what is in me. If you smile, if you, if you frown, I'm just going to keep being boring. Alright, you okay? So, so there are two things about that. So, in the Hebrew, you have the word Ashuri. You have the word Baruch. You know, which in your Swahili, Baraka. I'm the Hebrew is Baraka. You know, blessed. So, you have two words. In the Greek, you have the word Makarios and you have the word Eulogia, which is the word for eulogy. The problem in the church is we've taken the eulogy and we've made it something about death. If I tell you I'm going to do a eulogy, you think somebody died? <laughs> so there's the word happiness and there's the word Eulogia, which is used in this passage. Please don't take my passage away. So, the word eulogia is the word used here, not makarios. Because this is a different kind of word. But both words are translated blessed in your Bible. Which is the problem with people who study the Bible in English who actually think they know the Bible. Because you're reading translations where one word is used to translate five words. So, you need to do your research to find out what the word really is. Amen? That's why, that's why the Bible talks to Christians to be students. Christians are not just people who just read stuff and walk away. You need to research. Amen? So the word used here is eulogia. And it's a combination of two Greek words. Eu, which is eu, which means good. And the later part of the word is logia, from which you get the word logos, from which you get the word logic. Alright? So it's two words. Good, but logic also means, logos also means word. She says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. There was nothing made that was not made by him. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. You know the passage. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came to bear witness of the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, that light of the man which was coming into the world. Okay, That... You know, and you can keep going. Says, he was in the world. The world Thank you. All right, now I sound good. <laughs> so, so he, says, he, was, he, was, he was in the world. The world was made by him, but the world did not know him. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the power to become the sons of God, who were born not according to the will of man or the, the will of flesh, but by the will of God. And the word became flesh. So. That word, that word there is the word Logos. I always have a problem with Pentecostals. Because Pentecostals will say to you, I don't want Logos, I want Rhema. And I'm always asking them, do you realize that Rhema is not Jesus, Logos is? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it sounds great when they're preaching it. They tell you they want the Rhema word. But really, they're saying, I don't want Logos. They're saying, I don't want Christ. I don't want the structure of the universe or what God structured, used to structure the universe. I want a word that I've made up that is a magical witchcraft word that will do what I tell it to do. Sorry for Pentecostals because Rhema is not what God used to create the world. Logos is. Rhema is not what saves you. Logos does. So, I mess with Pentecostals. Just a little bit. Are you okay? So, in this word, the word logos and you is joined together, which means speaking well of something or a good word. That's what that word blessed really is. The right translation is speak well of. And understand this. When somebody blesses you, what do they do? What do they do? If you go to your grandfather in the village and you say, Grandpa, I want you to bless me. What will he do? He will speak a good word over you. So, blessing someone is saying something good about them. is speaking a good word over them. So, the passage of scripture should read like this. Can we read it now? Speak well of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has spoken well of us with all spiritual well speaking in the heavenly places. That's what the passage is. So, speak well of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has spoken well of us with all spiritual well-speaking in the, heaven, in the heavenlies in Christ. So, I have, a, I, have a, I have a simple message for you before I go. The devil has never been your problem. You okay? Those demons you are talking about, they are not your problem. The witch in your village, not your problem. I know Africans like to think that all of their problem comes from a demon hiding somewhere. And they like to think Satan is after them. But let, me, let me disambiguate you. Satan doesn't know you. Because you, know, you haven't done anything to change even your family. He doesn't know where you live. You okay? He really does not. How will he, a general of an army, know you? What are you doing? What have you accomplished? Who have you changed? When have you turned darkness into light? When has your whole family been removed from danger because you stood up to something? Why is Kenya in trouble if you are so great? Why should Satan know you? I I make a joke with my church, you know. It's It's a parabolic joke. And I say, I was traveling one way in Venice, one day in Venice, and I was driving, and I saw Satan sitting on the side of the road, and he was crying and weeping. And I stopped by, you know, because I'm a man of God. So I, everybody that cries, I want to go, go figure out what's happening to them. So I, said to, I, I stopped by. I said, Satan, why are you crying? He said, they blame me for everything. <laughs> and he said, I wasn't there. I wasn't even close. He was singing Shaggy's song. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. You see, the kids are laughing. Their dogs are not laughing because they don't know what that is. <laughs> But, 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 but you have to understand, your real issue is not that. Because there's a lot of stuff you're calling Satan for, that Satan wasn't nowhere close to the place. And many Christians, the way we talk is like Satan is everywhere. Like he's omnipresent. So he's in your house, he's in my house, he's in her house. He's, so he's now omnipresent. Do you get my point? What logic does it make that you actually believe Satan is everywhere? So, he's now equal to God? So, what's your problem? Take your, take your finger. Put your finger up. Everybody. This finger. What's your problem? You have only one problem. Take your finger and put it in your mouth. That's your problem. it's your problem. That's your problem. That's your solution. You okay? Okay, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about as I come back. So he said, speak well of God. That's what he says. And it's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It doesn't say when you feel like it, speak well of God. If he's doing wonderful things for you, then speak well of him. If you think he's met your need, then speak well of him. It doesn't say that. There's no condition in that. You okay? So, so if you, if you, one of the problems is we forget what the Bible actually teaches. Because in the book of Job, when God, the sons of God gathered together, Bible says Satan came also, trying to put himself as if he was a son too. And when God saw Satan, Satan was minding his own business. You know that, right? It wasn't Satan that started the problem in Job. It was your father. But your God, your father is the one that started the problem. Satan's busy doing his own stuff. Say, so what are you doing? I'm going to and fro, up and down, trying to figure things out. Look, and God says, have you? noticed my son how wonderful he is. So some of the problem you're facing is God picking on the devil and saying, did you see my daughter? See how she worships me? You see my son? You see how much he loves me? Oh, I feel sorry for you, Satan. God started this problem. Oh, you don't like this? But it's in your Bible. You just don't want to read it because you have a theology that says God will never do such a thing. Who are you to say what God will do and what God will not do? How do you know what God will do and what God will not do? That's the problem with people. They are so always second guessing God. If somebody had told Job that God will tell Satan, have you seen my servant Job, that there is no one like him on the face of the earth who eschews choose evil. And Satan says, yeah, right. He's only doing this because you keep blessing him. You put a hedge around him. Nothing can get to him. He's only praising you because everything is going well. He says but let's have a wager. Let's have a wager. God, this wasn't Satan. He just says if you touch him, God says okay, I'll take your bet. I'll remove the hedge from around him you do what you want to do with him, but his life does not belong to you. Are you okay? So there was nothing that happened to Job that happened because the devil did it. The devil did it because God told him to. But it's a hard theology for Pentecostals. There are a lot of things that are happening in your life may not have anything to do with the devil. It may just be your father trying to shape you and trying to get you to the right place you have a relationship with the devil? Do you? No. Do you have a relationship with demons? No. Then what, why is it everything that happens to you come from them? How many of you are married? When was the last time you were quarreling with somebody else's husband? <laughs> Who do you quarrel with? The people in your house. The problem is we don't think. Most of the stuff that happened to you is your father trying to shape you up. Trying to prepare you for the responsibility that you have as his child, as his daughter, as his son. But you think he's the devil. What interest does the devil have with you being strong? He's just a tool in the hand of God. You okay? Please be okay. Please be really, really okay. Because I know this is, this is not the kind of theology you're used to. But he's used to it. <laughs> you okay? So now, watch, watch, watch. watch. So, so God wages Job's problem wasn't Job's wife. The devil was not after Job's children. The devil was not after Job's money. He doesn't want your car. He doesn't drive. He doesn't want your husband. He doesn't get married. Are you okay? If you're looking for your key, the devil did not take it. Are you getting my point? He, the, the things you think he wants, doesn't want your jewelry, doesn't want your clothes, doesn't want your house, he doesn't live in houses. take the finger again. Put the finger up for me please because we're in church today. I'm, I'm in charge here. Some of you are very disobedient. In church I tell you put your finger and you're still acting like, like, like I'm not in charge. I'm in charge. So take your, take your what does the devil want? Put in your mouth? The wager between God and Job was for the mouth well, and devil, the devil was for the mouth of Job. Everything that happens to you happens in order to know what will come out of your mouth. You got it now, didn't you? God and the devil wagered over Job's tongue. Because the devil says, you touch him and hear what he will say about you. It's in your Bible, right? See, see, see. He will open his mouth and he will curse you. See? You've heard it. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. By a man's mouth he is justified, and by a man's mouth he is condemned. So this thing, this thing. So Paul is writing. So I, I, I was wondering once. I said. What is it about David that inspired all of his wickedness? David was a mean man. See, people people don't want to talk about that. It's only God that kept David from being a destructive person. Every time he had his way, he killed somebody. What is it that God was actually looking for when he said, to Samuel, I found a man who is after my heart. <laughs> what was it about David? What was in his mouth? So <laughs> David David knew how to get God. He knew how to speak. And God will turn from anger. <laughs> it wasn't just about confession. If you look at the Bible, David only confessed in one chapter, <laughs> the rest of it was speaking well of God. You so hear a man say stuff like, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be in my mouth. I'll bless the Lord at all times. I'll bless the Lord when I'm down. I'll bless the Lord when I'm up. I'll bless the Lord when I'm sick. I'll bless the Lord when I'm well. I'll bless the Lord when I have. I'll bless the Lord when I do not have. I'll bless the Lord when come on, say amen. Make yourself useful. You you, you can see where this stuff is. So we come to Paul and Paul writes this passage. If you you understand, the book of Ephesians, of course, is written from the perspective of heaven. The whole of the book of Ephesians is about what the church is in the heavenly realm, not about the earth. It's written from the point of view of eternity. But when he begins the text, Paul, remember, you remember the book of Acts, Paul is in prison because he healed somebody. He's not in prison because he took somebody's wife. He's not in prison because he stole somebody's daughter. He's not in prison because he went to the backyard and did what he's not supposed to do. He's not in prison because he said something wrong. He's in prison for doing something right. Please talk to me. I don't believe in this quietness. Because we're in the house of the Lord. I don't believe in this quietness. You can say amen. amen. You can say amen so you have to understand something so Paul has done preaching the gospel doing incredible things for the Lord healing the sick and here he is in prison now I don't know about you, I know you guys in Kenya are so righteous, you won't do anything else but, but for me if I've been doing that for God and I end up in such situation my first reaction will be where are you? what's the matter with you? Why is it that I did all of this stuff and Mary Jane across the street who is a prostitute and who's doing all kinds of crazy stuff is having all kinds of good things but I who am preaching the gospel I'm in this hell hole and you are not delivering me right now. Oh I know you are so righteous you will never say such a thing to God. He was with me in the, in the, in the, in, in the hotel room now and somebody was telling me what God says I told him to go tell God something. I'm a Jew. So I'll say, go tell God that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. I know he sent you, so I'm sending you back to him. Don't look at me like that. Your problem is you're dishonest with God. God knows what you're thinking, but you don't want to say it. I'm like a child. You know, children, I remember once when, I was, when, when something happened to my son, and I said to him, when he was younger, I said, be a man. And he looked at me and said, Daddy, I don't want to be a man right now. <laughs> Children are honest. they honest. I don't want to be a man. I'm hurting. Stop telling me to be a man. I want to cry right now. So, so, so but, but Paul is in this jail. And Paul writes and says, you eulogia, you logea, speak well of God. It's not an advice. Because I want to quarrel with God. I have a quarreling tendency. And I don't do it because I think I'm righteous. I do it because that's what children do. So God's training me not to be so quarrelsome. Most of you pretend like you don't have this kind of stuff inside of you. I know what you do when you are alone in the house and you say you're praying. I hear you. Mm -hmm. But father, I have served you for 20 years. But father, you do the same thing. Don't you? Come on, can I get the three witnesses in this house that say amen? Amen. You have to be honest with yourself. So, so, but Paul says, speak well of God. And I'm going to Paul, I'm going, Paul, you must know something I don't know. Because my tendency is to complain. I want to complain. In fact, I want you to, I want to be like, like one guy that said, leave me alone with my complaint. Let me tell God what exactly I think of him. That's what Job said to his friends in the middle of the stuff. Says, says, you are... Are miserable comforters. Leave me alone. Let me talk to him. If he thinks I've done something wrong, let him come down here and deal with me. Just, I don't want him to frighten me with his power. If he really thinks this is right, show yourself. But don't show yourself as God. Show yourself. You get the point? Job was doing all of that. <laughs> That's why when God came to Job, God said to him, first thing God said to him, he says, Who is this that darkens knowledge with foolishness? And God does not say to Job, be like God. God says, gird your loins like a man. I like God. But anyway, speaking well of God is is an incredible thing. Because everyone in scripture who was successful and who was able to transform their life situation, learned how to comport their tongue in terms of how they respond to God in context of adversity and context of trial, tribulations, and temptation. How do you respond? David even says, I will conduct myself so that I may know what to say when he visits me in my house. Speak well of God. So, your suffering is not a permission to speak evil of God. My context, I do it, but it's not right. But I never say, God, you're bad. I I go questioning God. So, be careful what you say. There's a thin line between complain, between hurting and attacking God's integrity. So he says, speak well of God. So, <laughs> the context is, you have to speak well of God no matter what. There's three things my mom taught me. Blessed be her soul. My mom was a great evangelist. Was a woman who would walk into a room and demon possessed people will get quiet. My mom died on her knees praying in the house and the glory of God fills the whole house. It took people a while to get in the room to get her body out. But my mom taught me three things. He said this. He said, number one, she said this. She said, number one, you're always nice to people who are nice to you. You don't second guess people who are nice to you. My mom was very funny. He says. But I know what is in their heart. He said, she said, no, you don't. Right now, they are being nice to you and that's what you accept. Most of us always judge everyone. We always think they have an ulterior motive. So we miss blessings that people want to bless us because we are always come, wingward, poisoning the source of the blessing. But my mom taught me that. Number two, my mom taught me, says it, my, don't say what she said be nice to those who are nice to you. It's easy. But also be nice to those who are not nice to you because God commanded it. Are you okay? Then she says to me, number two, always say you are sorry when you are wrong. I don't know what your mom taught you, but my mom will spank me if I don't say I'm sorry. Say, go apologize right now. I don't know how you guys do it in Kenya. I know you guys are becoming American. Nobody spanks a child. Come to my family, you will find out it's different. So, number three. She said, always say thank you. Thank you is just another way of being nice to somebody who is nice to you. I'm almost done, guys. Because I know you're looking at me. Why are you guys getting so tired quickly? Am I boring you? Okay, if I'm boring you, tell me I will stop. Because I've been preaching every day three times a day for almost 30 days so I mean actually more than 30 days because I was teaching for 10, almost 10 hours a day for one week before and the next Monday I left next Tuesday I left for Nigeria I started preaching the next day every day so I, I really am not looking for a people to preach to I'm serious so if you think you're doing me a favor you're really wasting your time so you better listen to me because I've got something to share with you. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so help me. Give me some strength. Give me some of your strength. So if you look at what Paul is saying, he says, you should speak well of God. Speak well of God. So the question becomes, why? Why should I speak well of God? He says, you should speak well of God because God spoke well of you is in the Bible, but it sounds simple, doesn't it? He says, your speaking well of God is what? Is the accurate and corresponding response to divine well speaking of you. The reason you get up in the morning you say to the Lord, you're wonderful, you're awesome, you're marvelous, you're glorious, you're excellent, you're highly lifted up, you're radiant, your beauty is beyond measure. My God, the wind that you blow upon my body gives me life and my life will praise you. My whole being will magnify you. I will lift up my hands unto your name and I will speak to the universe and I will tell the universe that there is none like you. That when there's comparison, that you are incomparable, that you are superlative in your blessings and marvelous in your goodness that I will speak well of God even in the midst of my suffering that I will speak well of God even in the midst of what may seem to be a loss but but I'm speaking well of God because God spoke well of me you don't realize that this is a very serious stuff because if God ever speaks evil of you you will cease to exist you're not listening to me So you're alive because God, every time God thinks of you, he speaks well of you. He's not one day gotten up and says, I don't like that guy. Because the day he says is the angels will rush up to you and take your life and you will no longer exist. The day he says, I don't want them anymore, that day your breath will disappear and you will cease to exist. You're alive because God in his very intrinsic and essential goodness always speaks goodness. God does not speak goodness because it's an external principle. He speaks goodness because God himself is good good. So everything he thinks about me, everything he, every time he speaks about me. I don't know about you. You don't have to listen. I'm talking about myself. Every time he talks about me, he says something good. In fact, when he created the world, his Bible says whatever he saw, he said what? He said he saw that it was good. When he met me, he said he saw that it was very good. I wish I had a church in here. So God well of me. That's the Bible says. And I know you know the passage because it's a great Pentecostal passage for I know the thoughts that I think of you, thoughts of good and not of evil that I might give you an end and a hope. You like it, don't you? That God speaks well of me. Uh, because God doesn't speak evil. But, but, but then I asked ask the Lord, I said when did you speak well of me? Because it, it, it is amazing to me that the Bible says you speak well of me. I don't know what that means because I am only 50 years old, 50 something years old. So, uh, uh, when did you speak well of me? When I was born and the Bible then tells me in the book, in this same book, it says, "He spoke well of me before the foundation of the world. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going, really? Before the foundation of the world, you were speaking of me? And the what's what? God is, the way God does is when God thinks a thought, it's a speech. And when God speaks, it's a thing. <laughs> So the fact that he was thinking about me before the world was created he said because I said before the foundation of the world so that means that God when God was by himself with himself for himself through himself all alone in somewhere where there is nowhere that God was busy thinking about me you don't have to take it i'm talking about myself you can say for you too but i'm not going to impose my view on you he was thinking about me. And when he's thinking, that means he's talking to himself about me because thinking is talking to yourself. It's an inner conversation with a process and a logic and an end. So, I was God's thought, In God's logic, God's purpose, God's intended manifestation. I was there. So, he, that's You can read the whole chapter because it says before the foundation of the world. So he spoke well of me before the foundation of the world. That means since God spoke well of me before the foundation of the world, it means that in virtue of spirituality that I had an existence inside of God before he created the world. Are you okay? Because God could have changed his mind. But he didn't. Because if he changed his mind in eternity, I will not be in time. He kept the word. He kept speaking before the foundation of the world. So he spoke well of me. Okay, spoke well of us. Because I want to include you too. Spoke well of us. Right? Right? But it was before the foundation of the world. Let's talk about that a little bit. That means God was speaking well of me when the world was not yet created. Let's try it again. That means God was speaking well of me before any angel was made. That means God was speaking well of me. And if that's before any angel was made, it means that what God was, that I was in the mind of God and God was speaking well of me before Satan became Satan. You okay? God God had a conversation with me one time because you know I'm an African just like you. And he says to me, why are you always talking about Satan? I said, because he's bothering me. He says, come, come up, come up to the heavens. Took me up to the heavens. And said to me, I want you to look into your future. He showed me eternity, flowing out of eternity. He said, when you are done looking, tell me where the devil is. And I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and there was no Satan. So, I looked at the father and I said, he's not here. And he goes, duh. (laughs) He has, he's nowhere in your future. So why do you spend so much time giving him credit? So why do you use him as a frame of your life when he's nowhere in your future? He does not exist there. Are you okay? God spoke well of you before the world was created before the stars were put in the sky. Before God said, let there be light. Before the Holy Spirit came upon the waters and brooded over the waters, before the heavens were made, before the first streak of lightning from the mouth of God came out as a speech in the universe to frame the universe, before he put a circle in the center of chaos and placed the seven pillars of wisdom upon nothingness, he was thinking about me. Clap your hands, make yourself useful for Jesus. This is, this, this is, this is, so, so which means then, which means then that there's nothing in creation. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. Okay, three people said that. Say nothing. nothing. Nothing in creation that can actually get behind the word that God spoke about you to take it away. Are you not listening? Because the word God spoke about you existed before the archangels, before the wheels within the wheel, before Ezekiel's Kerub, before the seraphim, that world existed when God was alone with the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son together with nothing else in them except the thought of you. So I am so deep before the foundation of the world, I have too much to tell you about that. Because that whole thing about before the foundation of the world, it says this. It says that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Before. He's not the foundation of the world. He's outside of the foundation of the world. That means he's the foundation upon which the universe itself founds its foundation. And which, which is why this text reads the way it reads. That God spoke well of you. What? With all spiritual words speaking. Because God, at that moment when God was thinking about you, there was nothing material in the world. There was nothing material. All physical stuff. And this is what I love about our African worldview. In our African worldview, all things come from the spirit realm. There's no such thing as a material world that doesn't have its, what? Its origination in the spiritual dimension. We believe everything is spirit. Okay. I know you guys are not African. You become white people. So let's 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 leave you alone. We believe everything is spirit. In fact, an African will turn this chair to a spirit. If he sits on this chair and this chair moves the wrong way, he'll look at it and go, "I bind that spirit." Oh, come on! You know, you know, it's the truth. We are funny because in our back of our mind, everything in the universe is spirit. And science is now confirming what our ancestors used to talk about, saying everything is based on a quanta. Yeah. Actually, beyond a quanta to a quark. That means everything in the universe is alive. That's a very basic principle of quantum physics. Right? Or oh, you're looking at me. Do you have any scientists in the room? Do you actually... Do we actually know what makes a television work? Nobody knows what makes a plasma work. Nobody does, not even the scientists. We don't. But it works. Because it's operating at a higher energetic level. Okay, so our ancestors knew this. It's just they didn't have a word for it. You call them stupid, but now science is saying that what they said is true. In in a real scientific word. This is only hard because you're looking at it. This is only hard because man is observing it. The universe is framed by your observation for your need, for meeting your need. So a tree comes into existence because you're looking at it. You have no idea what happens. So, what you gaze at, you actually, in a sense, cause to remain. But anyway, it's in the Bible, by the way. You know it's in the Bible? And God saw that it was good. i leave it alone. Because you're tired now. I can see your face. This is too, this is too boring for you. I, I'm a very easy preacher very easy preacher. I like having fun. I've been doing this since I was a kid. So this is fun to me. You guys who come to church and act like somebody forced you to come here. (laughs) I'm like the kids. This is fun to me. If you start dancing, I will dance better. I will dance more than you. Start worshiping, I will worship because this is my club. I don't know ever being to a club in my life so where do I dance? <laughs> Amen? So, 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 so he, he spoke well of you before the foundation of the world, but before he spoke well of you, right? He, he was thinking about you. He had to make sure that the word he spoke about you before the foundation of the world was what? Was grounded and founded in something that cannot be removed. The Bible says He did so in the spiritual realm. That means the word that was spoken about you is a spiritual word. So that word that was spoken about you in the spiritual realm is a word that is being in the spirit means it can become whatever you need at the moment you need it. Oh, I wish I was at my church in California. Because if something is in the spirit, it is not this... It is not that. It's just in the spirit realm. So that which is in the spirit realm is waiting for the person that it was spoken about to come so that it can manifest itself according to the need of the individual. So he spoke with all spiritual well speaking. Because remember, out of God's speech comes the whole world. That whatever is related, whatever is connected to the fulfillment of your life has already been spoken in the spirit realm. Are you getting it? So, because it is a spiritual word, when you need something, that word becomes what you need. That's why God did not say, she shall have a cheer. God never said that. God doesn't say you shall have clothes. He just speaks the word and speaks what a spiritual word. And when you need clothes, that word forms itself to become a clothes. When you need food, that word becomes food. And since the word that God spoke about you before the foundation of the world is his, his son, Jesus Christ, it means that everything you've received in your life has been the materialization of the life of his son. Are you okay? I'm glad you're alive now. You've moved from being sleepy to being awake. But, but you get what so all spirit he spoke about you all spiritual blessings. There's nothing you need in this life that is not already in existence in the spiritual realm. There's not a car in the spirit realm but the word spoken in the spirit can become a car. Amen. No, 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 no. There's not an apple in the spirit realm. But it is the very life of the son of God that becomes an apple that becomes the food that feeds your body that sustains you. So he spoke well of you before you came into this world. Spoke well of you before the foundation of the world. So which means he spoke well of you in eternity. That the word about you was a good word, right? The word about you was spoken before the world was created. The word about you was spoken in eternity. It's very important to keep that. And the word about you was spoken in the heavenlies. Watch this because it is not heaven but heavenlies. So which means of all the 200 and something billion known galaxies. Can I try it again? When I was here last time I said about 190 billion. They just told us We know more than 200 billion galaxies. But we only know less than 20% of the universe. But every universe that exists, are you ready for this? Every world that will ever come into existence, the word that God spoke about you has already gone into that realm. Are you not listening about me? There's not a place you will go in all created universe where that universe does not resonate with what God has said about you. That means that place you're going to already has your vibration and the DNA that God spoke about you. So that when you're getting there, you're not a stranger. The world is already bending towards you. Can I get away? No! You got to understand this. The stars know who you are. The galaxies know who you are. Because it is out of the word that was spoken about you that God created them. So they have a vibrational frequency that tells them that you are here. (laughs) So he did it in what? He did it Spoke a good word because of and the word is good. The word is before the foundation. The word is eternal in nature. You okay? And the world is ubiquitous. The word is ubiquitous. That is, it is in every heaven that will ever manifest. Because God is the one that spoke it when he was alone. So, whatever God spoke when he was alone... Infuses all of creation. Since we live in an ever-expanding universe, it means that the more the universe expands, the universe carries the vibrational frequency of that which God spoke about you, so you are never alone in the universe. Amen? And I'm going to finish now, because my time is, my time is done. So, not only did he speak well of you before the foundation of the world and spoke well of you in heavenlies, the Bible says he spoke well of you in Christ Jesus. People, people, I don't even think Christians know who Jesus is. Because when I talk to believers, I discover they don't know who Christ is. All they know is that he came and died for them. But let's try a little bit. The universe will not exist if it didn't go through the life of Jesus. That means for God to create the world, the son had to step out in the center of divinity and allow himself to become the circle that framed the existence of the world. See, the Bible says that he is the what? He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Are you okay? That before God could create the world, the son had to give his life. It's in your Bible. So, if the son had to give his life, it means that whatever life the son had in God, whatever the blood of God, in fact, uh, Paul even goes in the book of of, of Acts and says to the guys in Ephesians, take care of the church of God, which he bought with his blood. (laughs) It says he was slain before the foundation of the world, which means that for the universe to exist, God had to speak, To the slain lamb. So the universe came out of the blood. The structured blood of the son of God. Nothing. The Bible says what? In him all things hold together. All things. And the Bible says he's what? He's the visible image of the invisible God. In Him, all things co-inhere. In science, co-inherence means the capacity to glue stuff together. That the atomic structure of the universe is held together by this person, who's the foundation before the foundation. That the whole universe is a vibration of the Person of Christ. Are you okay? That this tree will not be here except for the fact that there's a foundation before the foundation out of which what? The universe came out and when God was speaking to the earth in the book of Genesis chapter 1, he was speaking to the foundational blood that was shed. That's why the earth can be alive. People don't even realize that every time they talk about Jesus or they, 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 they attack Christ, they're actually attacking themselves because they will not exist except through him. They won't eat. When you eat food, it is the body of the son of God. Ah. You okay? So, so, so he took it and he put it in his son. So, so that means the thing that actually propels your life as a believer is not in this world. That what, what makes you who you are is not here. It's outside of the system of creation. So that means if somebody wants to actually destroy you, and that fear you're having is unfounded, because if they want to destroy you, what they should do is be able to go out of creation and stand outside of creation before creation, get inside of God, not only get inside of the Father, but get inside the Holy Spirit, get inside the Son, go into God in God's innermost being, the center of the abyss of nothingness, where there's nothing describable in there, and stand in the center of God, take over God, and then find you and destroy you. Are you okay? Oh. Is that too much for you? One more, he said. Finally, he says this. So, I I asked the father, I said, I know what you did. I know you did it in all this stuff, but why? Why did you do it? And the Bible says, he did it because he loved me. And I'm going, yeah, right. I was only a thought in your head. And you know, thoughts, you can have second thought and disappear the first one. Oh, by the way, that's the easiest way to overcome sin It's not to fight with it, it's to find a different thought. The more you fight about it, the more you think about it. Praise the Lord. Okay. Lord. So we finished this. The Bible says he did it because he did what? Because he loved you. Now we're talking about when God was by himself, with himself, there was nothing there. You were not there physically. The Bible says he loved you. And, and, I, and maybe you've heard me say this. If you've been watching my stuff or you heard me before. Let me say, how can you love nothing? How can you love nothing? For us, we love people who've done something for us. Our love for parents is natural. It's an outgrowth of response, but the Bible says He loved you, and all the stuff before the foundation of the world, when nothing existed. How do you love nothing? Think about it again. You've, you've heard this. Hear it again. How do you love nothing? Because the Bible says He loved you, and you did not exist. He loved you, and the world did not exist. He loved you and he was the only one in the universe. And he did all of this stuff. He spoke a good word for someone that is not there. You know, I'm not a great mathematician, but I know multiplication. I know, you know, one times one is one. Two times two is four. I know it because we had to memorize it when we were kids. All the way to 24 times 1 to 24 times 24. We used to do that, you know, we get memorized. But I, this, one thing I learned, even in my uneducated stuff, is that 2 trillion, 2,524 gazillion Time zero equals zero. (laughs) Am I right? You cannot multiply anything by zero and get something. Only God can do so. Because he's a God that creates out of nothing. He can love nothing. And here's the thing. He loved you before you became a Christian. Okay, I'll try it again. Because some of you believers think that you're being loved because you're so nice and you praise God every day. But he loved you before you sang a song. He loved you before your grandfather knew your grandmother. And, and, and the thing about this is God knew that the word spoken about you. That he spoke in eternity, that something was going to rise in creation to try to steal that word. So he made provision for it. He, not only does he know that your father and your mother may try to mess it up because they think they are being good, but actually they are messing up the word. He knows that society will try to mess it up. But not only that, he also knew that you were going to be your own worst nice man. So he took the word. And didn't put it on earth. Put it up in the heavens. And then what he did. Before Jesus even came. The second Came onto the earth for salvation. Before the world. He took that stuff. And embedded it in the blood of his son. (laughs) He hid it in Christ. So he made Provision. So that the life of his son is speaking for you even before you became a believer. Hi. So he says this. That because he loved you, he made provision for your paraptoma. Your tendency to self-sabotage. He made provision. And the way he made the provision was that he first of all took the life of his son and the blood of the foundation of the universe and provided it as what we call in theology, prevenient provision of grace. So he provided the blood. When you were born, you should have died because the soul that sinned, it it shall die. Every time you sinned, you should have died every time you made a mistake you should have died but the thing that I preserved you is the word God spoke before you came into this world when you make that mess that you make God remembers what he was thinking about you before the world was created not only that he took that word and he embedded it in the life of his son and he gave it to angels who carried it around you everywhere you go when you went to that boy's house when you should have been dead the angels carried the blood and split and said give her another the chance when you were messing around running around with robbers before you became a christian you called yourself the toughest young man in town you should have died several times but because god had spoken well about you and that word was embedded in the blood of the son of god and angels carried it around you every time you slip the angels will sprinkle the blood and god will raise you back can i have a witness in that? And he did it because he loved you. But he also did it because of his grace. Not the devil. Not the demons. Not the witches. Not even you with your bad self. Can mess up the word that God spoke before the foundation of the world. This is a secure word. It's a powerful word. It is that word he spoke from eternity that you answered. He spoke that word in eternity and you answered in time. He spoke that word in his purity and you answered in your materiality. Come on, give Jesus a clap offering. Stand on your feet. Let's worship God. Come on. Come on, let's clap our hands. It's not, it's not enough. That's not enough. Come on. Bless his name for what he has done. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in some wonder, consider on the world's thy hands. Okay, let's stop because, I, because I, I don't hear any song. No, none of that mediocrity singing. Because you're not singing to my God, you're singing to yourself. Let's try again. Oh Lord my God, when
1: I know someone, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars I hear the rolling song mm-hmm. I path throughout the universe Come on, blessing oh lord my god oh lord where I am awesome well, yeah, yeah. oh, consider considerable Oh, the world's thy hands are and I need more. See. Leaders. Well,
0: this sings my soul
1: my soul oh,
0: my I savior God
1: That sing of my voice how great thou art. My soul, my soul. My my soul. Mm-hmm. How, great mm-hmm. how great Thou art! How great Thou art! Oh, oh Lord, my God, when I in all my wonder concede the wrong. shipping E acaso é que ele
0: There's healing in the house. There's healing in the
1: house.
0: There's healing in the house. 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 In the house, healing of blood diseases, healing, healing, healing. Something is happening in the house. Presence of the Lord is here. My glory. This is your day. Why not you? Why not you? Why not you? Your healing is present in the house. Your healing is present in the house. Your healing is present in the house. What we're talking about is if you're sick, just come up here. There's healing in the house. If you have any sickness, just come up. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to pray for the sick now because I know there's healing in the house. Just want to announce this. Come on. You're ashamed? You can be ashamed then. I just hear the Lord say there's healing in this house tonight. Today.
1: of heaven
0: Is heaven your presence is heaven to me? Your presence is heaven, your presence is heaven,
1: your presence is heaven, presence is heaven
0: to me. Your presence is healing, your presence is healing. Hey, your presence is heaven. Your presence is heaven to, to me. Goodalaba Shatta Your presence, is heaven. Mm, your your presence, presence is, heaven. is heaven. Your presence is heaven. Your presence is heaven.
1: Your presence is heaven. Your presence <laughs> is heaven, your presence is heaven mm. to me. President!
2: spoke well of you before the foundations of the earth of the world you are here you are not born again he still spoke well of you even before you were born even when you are sinning he was still speaking well of you we want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ you are not born again please lift up your hand yes thank you my brother thank you my brother anyone else who is not born again God spoke well of you God spoke well of you. He's still speaking well of you. He is not condemning any one of you. He is not judging you. He is welcoming you. Like just anyone else raising your hand. You want to receive Jesus together with the man? Anyone else saying, I am not born again? You know you are not born again. You do not want to go home. Come on. Anyone else? My brother, come forward. Just come forward. Just come forward, come forward. The angels in heaven are rejoicing because of this one sinner. The angels in heaven are rejoicing because of this one sinner. Hallelujah. Can I ask Mark if you can come and just pray with, with him. lead him to Christ. Thank you, my brother, for receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior there young man behind you is going to pray with you, read you to Christ, and then he's going to walk with you. Amen? Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else who is saying, Pastor, I don't want to be close over. Jesus, I want to thank you for this one soul that has come forward. We'll rejoice together with the angels in heaven. We'll receive him in the body of Christ. He is part of us. You spoke well of him before the foundation of the world. Even now, you're speaking well of him. We receive him in the name of Jesus. We welcome him into the body of Christ. We welcome him into this church. We bless him in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. We would like to to pray, I'm told you, we'd like to pray for the offering. But I want to do something that I normally don't do. Uh, Dr. Bonaya is a great man of God. He doesn't go anywhere asking for offering. He finances his own trips. Uh, But I feel it will be improper for us for him to come to Nairobi and even pay his hotel bill. Can we pay his hotel bills at least the two nights? If I can get some, some people, just bring your offering. We'll use it for that. Go back to your pocket, give a special offering. If you have received that word, give a special offering. If you want to give to the pay bill number, give to the pay bill number but you need to let me know uh, or let uh, Elder Ariso know how much you've given so that we can take it out from the, the church account. Can we do something? Just a good offering. Just Don't just bring anything. You can even write a check. Light it to the River and Church Gong Road. will convert it. Please do that. Do that. Do that. Do that. Please. Let's do that. Have you been blessed? Now that is not... Hey, now I understand. what well, the, the preacher was saying that you're floating at him. Now I see what he meant. Why you blessed? Yes. And you, you you say it. If you are blessed, you don't just say yes. If you are blessed, you say it and you show it, isn't it? You received a word. Not a award, eh? <laughs> you received what? Yeah? The logos. Amen. Hey, there. Man of God, umetweza. <laughs> He's dealt with us, Pentecostals. We always say, this is the Rema word, the revelation word. And we forget that God spoke the word. And the written word is what he spoke and the world came into being. We thank you, man of God, for allowing the Lord to use you to speak to us. You've learned something, isn't it? You know, a lot, huh? And you've taken notes. Now, please, your problem is not the devil, isn't it? What, what, your problem is where? One finger. Okay, let's, let's see whether we learned. There. And I, note, I noted those that didn't do it. Let's try again. Uh, I, I'm still learning. I, I saw you. Let's try again. Your problem is where? Where? One finger to the, to the mouth. So, please, Stop. Destroying yourself. Because you are destroying yourself. Learn what God has spoken about you. That's what we've been taught today. He spoke well of us before the foundations of the earth. Amen? And his son was actually slain. His blood was shed before the foundation. So before we were created, we were dealt with. Amen? That's exactly what he's telling us. So stop condemning yourself. If you ever go to hell, you'll go to hell because you want to go to hell. Amen? If you want to remain poor, miserable, you remain poor and miserable because you do not want to use the word of God. It's all upon you. So choose today. Amen? Thank you, man of God. He has blessed us. You know, when he was speaking, I was saying, How I wish I can be able to bring this man here for a whole week. I didn't hear you. Now it's, it's It was only my wish. Oh, Lord, give me finances, personal finances, and I'll bring him here. Did you hear what I said? How I wish that someone, about maybe five of you men, ten of you can come and say, Pastor, we want him here. We will pay his air ticket. We will pay his hotel bills because he will come. I know him. He will come. Amen. If the Ugandans pay, he goes to Uganda. If Nigerians pay, he will go to Nigeria. Okay? But most of the time, he, da- he even pays for himself and goes. But we should stop that culture of being given all the time. Amen? Why don't we become givers? I'm challenging you because I want him here next year. Yeah, I want to check his color and see what time he can come. But I want some men and women who tell me, Pastor, we can afford to pay his air ticket, we can pay his hotel bills when he is here. Because if, if only one hour you can receive so much, what do you think about a week? So how many are agreeing with the pastor that we need to bring him here? Come on, lift up your hands. Now if we agree with me, then we are going to, to do it. See dear Charles. Charles, we can do it. Amen? We can <laughs> now I'm saying this while he is here so that I can I'm setting you so because if it doesn't happen I'll tell him that he refused. <laughs> yeah. But it is possible. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's stand on our feet. Can we ask him to take our love and greetings to his family and the church in, 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 in California, please? Please take our greeting, take our love. We truly appreciate you. Thank you, man of God. Thank you, thank you once again. Come on, stretch your hand. Let's pray for these offerings. Father in heaven, we are grateful for the gifts that your people have given. The offering, the tithe, and the gifts that they have given. Lord, towards your servant, we receive this and we say thank you, Jesus. And we pray that those hands that have given, Lord, you will indeed bless them because you have promised the one that gives will surely receive. I pray that they receive, O God, a hundredfold to the glory and honor of your name. And for your servant, Lord, who has blessed us, we also release favor and blessing upon his life. Wherever he goes, Lord, let doors open on me in his behalf. Oh, God Almighty, let the world recognize the gift that you put in his heart, oh, Lord Jesus. We bless him and commit him into, into, into your hands. Give him safe right to Nigeria, safe right to California, to the glory and honor of your name. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have you been blessed once again? And are you happy? If you are happy, we thank God. Amen. Now. This evening at 4:30, miracle service is on. Amen. A miracle service is on. The prophetic team will be here. They've been conducting that.